All right, and uh, so next, the next class we're going to talk about is the Ranger. And uh, unfortunately, as much as I love the Ranger, it gets a lot of hate. Um, it's in in fifth edition. Uh, yeah, I love the Ranger, but you know, I guess it's it's criticisms are true, and that's why. Um, and we'll talk about it later. There's been a lot of revisions to the Ranger to kind of give it a little bit more oomph, make it feel a little better. So, uh, but Rangers, um, they're the same no matter what, no matter what the game statistics say. They're warriors of the wilderness. Uh, Rangers specialize in hunting the monsters that threaten the edges of civilization. Rangers have the ability to cast spells that harness the power of nature, much like druids do. So as a ranger, um, when you're building your character, you choose a favored enemy. That gives you knowledge, which gives you an advantage on tracking them, and uh, as well as understanding some of their language. You know, you've studied and kind of stalked these enemies um, to the extent that you are um, so familiar with them that you, you know, can speak their language. Very familiar. Uh, you also choose a favored terrain, um, which typically, whenever you start off, is going to be the terrain where you're from, you know, where your home place is. It wouldn't really make sense for you to live in a forest and choose a favorite terrain of the, you know, ocean <laughs> or the Arctic or, or anything like would that. It? Or would it? Um, so it, uh, it makes sense. Typically goes with the, uh, the first, you know, being the terrain that you're most familiar with. And uh, whenever you're navigating through that terrain, you gain, you know, the advantage, you know, you can operate with proficiency while you're moving through it. And you also, um, you also enable your party to move with efficiency. And the cool thing is, is that later on at higher levels, you actually get to add more favored enemies and add more favored terrain. So you can you know, establish a big resume of places and enemies that you're really good at, at um, killing and walking around in. Uh, so the ranger, like the fighter, um, specializes in different fighting styles. So you choose between archery, defense, dueling, and two-weapon fighting. So archery is kind of what's most stereotypically associated with the rangers, but um, you could be a dueling ranger, you know, defense ranger, walking around with a shield and sword or something like that. So always mix it up, kind of go against the grain. Um, the wisdom ability is important for rangers as it's your spellcasting ability. So keep that in mind later on. I think it's the next episode we're going to be talking about making characters. So uh, keep in mind if you want a ranger, wisdom is important. And there's two subclasses uh, of, of the ranger called ranger archetypes. And you choose between them at third level. First one is the hunter. You're the first and last line of defense between the wilds and civilization. Your training allows you to better combat groups of enemies, large enemies, or those that are already wounded. And then the second subclass is the Beastmaster. You embody the friendship between civilization and beasts, working with a beast companion to combat your foes. 
I always thought it'd be super cool to be a ranger with like a hawk um, or a falcon. You know, do some falconeering. Big owl. Yeah, big owl. Or uh, one of the, I guess, most famous examples for anybody familiar with D&D um, is, uh, I guess, in the current form is from Critical Role. There's a ranger. She has a bear named Trinket. Um, he's always getting in bad situations. So, Yeah, so then the, the next one after that is going to be the rogue. And these this is another one of those kind of stereotypical... Uh, ones that you think about when you hear about a rogue or something. These are the stealthy, sneaky boys kind of a thing. Uh, so, you know, they rely on on their skill and their stealth and their foes' vulnerabilities to get the upper hand. Uh, yeah. They're very versatile party members uh, on the adventure side of things, and they can also deal out a lot of damage. Um, some do come from criminal backgrounds. That's where a lot of rogues' uh, backstories come from is, you know, I was a pickpocket on the streets, and then I got involved with a crime family and blah, 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 blah. But then um, other ones, you know, you can just be stealthy investigators like a private eye type thing or uh, just a dungeon diver that likes to get in and out of a dungeon without attracting a lot of attention. So you have an expertise and a certain skill that may aid you in your line of work. Uh, normally they'll pick pickpocketing or not pickpocketing, uh, lockpicking. Uh, that's one that uh, a lot of them do or sleight of hand. Uh, they'll pick those type of things to have an expertise in. Basically, all that does is it allows you to have better roles uh, whenever you do use those skills, which we'll get into those uh, later in some episodes, especially when we're talking about creating a class. But uh, you also are more you you also inflict more damage uh, on an enemy whenever you're striking when they're vulnerable. So, like when you have advantage on a roll, which again we'll get into this later, but just having advantage on a roll will allow you to deal a little bit more damage. Uh, you know this thing called Thieves Can't, which is basically just a secret code uh, universal to all thieves. It's like a mixture of this like double speak and hand signals and uh, <laughs> different types of right, glyphs. Writing and, on the bathroom walls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like all this weird mixed in stuff. So you're able to speak to another thief without anybody else around you noticing that you're talking in plain sight it's really weird but it's actually kind of a cool cool thing to be able to do uh but uh, your elusiveness also allows you to disengage from enemies or hide from sight uh in combat so you can actually take one of your bonus turns to hide even though that would count as a full thing uh, as an action in combat uh, you're able to do that as long as you can break line of sight but we'll get into that later so then there's the three subclasses that they can pick uh, that are called roguish archetypes. And you can choose with those at level three. So you've got the thief, the assassin, and the arcane trickster. So the thief is kind of like we were talking about with uh, your kind of one of the classic things where uh, you're just like a burglar or an investigator or a treasure seeker uh, or like a bandit. So you just kind of have deft hands that aid you in pick locketing, uh, pick locketing, <laughs> picking locks and pickpocketing and sleight of hand. Uh, and you're also very an agile climber because, you know, thieves got to make quick escapes, getting in, getting out, uh, getting the getting the loot and getting out. So the next one is going to be assassin. And uh, you're just trained in the grim mastery of uh, the art of death. Uh, you're skilled with a disguise and the use of poisons. So you can put that on your blade, uh, your arrows for your crossbow, um, or you can use your disguises to get yourself in and out of places uh, to be able to sneak in and maybe 
get to a high value target. Uh, but you're very skilled at getting the drop on your enemies and dealing a lot of damage in that one hit whenever you do. So you just kind of get in, you get the drop on an opponent, and boom, you deal a lot of damage, and then you you get out of there. So they're good at uh, dealing a big wallop of damage. So then that brings us to the third one, which is the Arcane Trickster. And these are rogues that find the application of magic best aids them. So uh, they can use like Mage Hand and, you know, invisibility and certain things like that uh, to help them carry out what they're wanting to do. And think of this as kind of like Loki, you know, being able to go into, the, you know, go invisible or completely transform his looks into something else or, you know, use telekinesis or whatever, you know, just to do tricky things and just kind of be uh, kind of a nuisance, but still be helpful in a fight. Um, their spellcasting skill relies on intelligence. So just make sure that uh, if you are going to go into that, that you try to spec in and have a good bit of the intelligence in there. Yeah. And I, I was going to say that I loved playing a rogue. Um, didn't think I would at first, but it's super fun um, just to be super sneaky boy. Um, you know, just, I'm Batman. And just disappear. Yeah. I'm Batman. <laughs> um, and uh, I, you know, whenever I was typing up the, these notes, um, I was actually, I, I guess I hadn't even noticed the, I guess, suggestion of a investigator. I think that'd be a super cool way to play a rogue is that you're just the gumshoe cop you just trying to do yeah, what's staying right. in the shadows <laughs> tailing your yeah yeah tailing your subjects yeah it makes you think very like sin city um very yeah very film noir yeah very noir all right so the next class we're going to talk about is the sorcerer and this is one of the main magic using classes um that you can choose from and they differ from the others in that they carry the magical birthright gifted by an exotic bloodline. So it's in their blood, which is different than the others. And they you know, get it from this gift in their blood from some otherworldly influence or exposure to cosmic forces. I always imagine you just being caught in the blast of like rainbows <laughs> and uh, just getting this magical gift uh the gamma radiation. The gamma, uh, yeah. What's the magical equivalent? <laughs> and uh, so you can't. A, a sorcerer doesn't choose sorcery. The power chooses you. Um, and so it's it. It kind of goes into your backstory whenever you're making a sorcerer. You got to kind of think about. You, know, you didn't necessarily want to use magic, but it just kind of like just leaking from you, or like just forcefully coming out uh, that sounds gross um <laughs> the most important unbridled would unbridled, be a better word <laughs> unbridled power <laughs> um like i said the most important is kind of the origin of your power uh, charisma is really important whenever you're building a sorcerer because it's your spell casting ability um, you can tap into the magic within yourself to cast spells so you have these things called sorcerer points and they allow you to kind of change spells which um i guess can be pretty cool you can use these sorcerer points to uh, quicken your spells to make them you know where you can cast them as a bonus action which is kind of equivalent to casting them faster like a little bit quicker you can increase the damage you know increase the power 
of your spells or even you know make make it to where your allies who would normally be caught in the blast aren't so it can be pretty cool um let's see you can even extend the rain you know throw a fireball further than it's supposed to go uh, which is always handy and uh sorcerers they have two subclasses they're called sorceress origins that's a mouthful sorceress and uh, you choose between those origins at level one that's Level one, you choose it, which is different than the other, some other classes where you choose it kind of later on. Your choice of where your your origins obviously are at the beginning. Origins. So first one is draconic bloodline. Your connection to magic comes from dragon ancestors, or non-dragon ancestors who bargained with dragons for their power. Uh, this manifests in specific elemental abilities connected to specific dragon types, as well as your physical appearance, displaying draconic qualities and an inherent toughness. Um, I, always in a ma- I always imagine um, there's a character, or I guess a guest character on Critical Role that kind of had half a dragon uh, face and like a draconic-looking arm that was like a claw that they kind of hid in a cloak because they were ashamed of being weird and that's how they chose their draconic bloodline to um, show out um, on their character and the second subclass is called wild magic your abilities came about due to exposure to the forces of chaos when casting spells the untamed nature of your magic spills forth in unpredictable ways See, even this one you, sp- you use a spills forth um, you can learn to harness a small amount of this power to increase your chances of success on a task. So, sorcerers, you know, pretty crazy. Yeah, and another one, this next one that we're going to talk about, they're kind of crazy as well, is where the sorcerer is more, you know, it chooses you kind of a thing and don't have a choice. The warlock is one of those ones that it is a choice. It is uh, something that you choose to do because warlocks, they have their connection uh, to their power, to this arcane power comes from the pact that they make with some otherworldly being. So these beings are not typically gods for the most part uh, in the realm, you know, uh, in the 12 realms or the, in the world, but (laughs) rather like a patron or a master that bestows the power in exchange for services performed by the warlock. So, this would be kind of think, you know, making a pact with uh, Cthulhu for, you know, immortality or powers or being able to do things or uh, some of the other ones that we'll cover later. But you just kind of think of like that, you know, sort of selling your soul to the devil type stuff uh, for, for power and stuff like that. So warlocks are more adept at uh, melee combat than other spellcasters. So uh, they're more of a, a getting there and kind of a battle mage sort of if you want to think of it that way mixed up kind of like a fighter yeah they can get in there and they can they can take hits as good as well as you know dishing it out uh and then they can also kind of sling some spells if they need to so uh when creating a warlock it is important to decide what your relationship with your patron is going to be like and what kind of service they require of you so is it like a a reluctant one that was you know your parents sold their firstborn child to this 
otherworldly being, and then at their 18th birthday, they have to render their services unto them. So it's like a reluctant type thing. Or was it you went to this this otherworldly being and made this pact to, you know, become powerful and get revenge on your enemies and stuff like that. So it's kind of something you need to think about in, in your backstory. Uh, but charisma again is important. Uh, that's going to be your spellcasting ability. And you actually gain a, a gift from your patron at third level. So this can be like a spectral familiar to that accompanies you and walks around with you. So, you know, think of like a spect- a spectral black cat or something like that, or uh, a weapon that you can summon to your hand or a special spell book giving you access to a wider variety of spells. Uh, so those are just some things. But you also have access to Eldritch Invocations. Uh, so these are just special abilities with certain prerequisites that you do have to meet in order to have those things. So at first level is where you actually get to choose your otherworldly patron, which uh, shapes your abilities and your spells and gives you your power. So it's going to be the Archfey, the Fiend, and the Great Old One. So starting off with the Archfey, the first one. So this is going to be a lord or lady of the Fey, uh, sort of like a creature of legend, striving for greater magical power, or they're just wanting to settle old grudges. Um, so these are like, uh, you know, sort of the the Fey that get involved with the meddlings of humans because they're they're bored and they want something better to do. Uh, but for, with them, you can invoke their fearsome image to frighten enemies. Uh, so it's kind of like think of a fear that you can use to like and scare people away from you and uh, repel them from you to give you some breathing room in battle. So then the next one is going to be the fiend. So this is an evil being, uh, even if you aren't, who desires the corruption of and destruction of all things, including you. So this is more of like the making the deal with the devil or making the making the deal with a demon kind of a thing. And um, their their uh, their pact empowers you when you strike a killing blow. So these might give you extra hit points for a certain amount of time after you kill something or, yeah, you know, just give something like that after you land a killing blow. Yeah, temporary hit points. Yeah. Um, so then that brings us to the last one, which is going to be the great old one. And this is the one where I was thinking, uh, makes you think more of like Cthulhu. So this is a mysterious entity whose nature is utterly foreign to the fabric of reality. So, Again, that Cthulhu-type creature or thing that is just from a different dimension, a different world, uh, but has these powers that will bestow upon you. And their alien knowledge that you've gained like gives you the ability to communicate telepathically. So that's kind of their one of their special gifts that they give you. But uh, that's going to be the, the warlock, kind of the, the creepy, creepy one of the group. Yeah, um... And one thing that uh, is is kind of unique to the, I guess kind of, un- it is unique to the Warlocks is they get a spell very early on called the Eldritch Blast. And it's kind of, it's pretty, the meme spell. Yeah, it's a meme. <laughs> it uh, It's very, very powerful um, and you can use it. Uh, I mean, you don't have to rest. You don't have to recuperate any energy to, you know, get spells back. This one you can just use willy nilly. So it's uh, it's it's kind of a a fun one um, if you want to play a warlock. It's just to wield a sword in one hand and eldritch blast with the other hand. So and uh, 
So last class we're going to talk uh, talk about is the wizard. So this is the last of the uh, arcane classes, the magic users. And wizards are the supreme magic users. Their abilities come from their knowledge of the use of somatic gestures. So that's like, you know, weaving symbols in the air with your hands or twisting your fingers in a certain way. Um, speaking arcane words, words of power, and using exotic components. Um, if you want a great example of kind of how a wizard does all these things, look at uh, look up some of Liam O'Brien from Critical Role in the second campaign. He plays a wizard um, named Caleb, and he does a great job. Like, and I, I love it whenever he gives descriptions of what he does, you know, grabbing a handful of sulfur and, you know, twisting it in the air or smearing his hands with guano <laughs> with some, some bat crap. Um, and, you, you know, that is the components that are required for whatever spell he's going to use. So I love the way he is so descriptive um, with those. And uh, you know, I'm sure he just loves saying guano all the time. Wizards learn from other arcane users, um, magical tomes, and magical beings, so like dragons and that sort of thing. So they uh, are drawn out of their libraries by the allure of ancient knowledge and power. Wizards have to have a spell book um, with them that they actually transcribe all their spells into. So that's kind of a, a limitation sort of of a wizard is that you know, other magic users they just kind of get their spells whereas as a wizard you got to hit the books you got to you know learn from other people other magic users or you can buy pretty much like buying a piece of paper that has the spell on it and you transcribe it into your spell book for later use um, so that's kind of a a limitation and you want to protect that spell book because if you lose that spell book uh, you lost all those spells so that's one thing that's kind of kind of a fun uh, bit of the role playing to a wizard um, and as a wizard your intelligence is important like i'm sure we've said before because it is your spell casting ability um, you can regain some of your expended magical energy uh, during the day by studying in your spell book uh, I believe this is called like arcane recovery. Um, so you can, I think you can do it during a short rest, kind of regain some of your spells back. And the uh, this is a bit another big one, like the like the clerics. There are eight subclasses called arcane traditions, and you choose between them at second level. So pretty early on in you know the life of your character, you decide kind of which school of magic you're going to focus on. So the different, the eight different schools are abjuration, conjuration, divination, enchantment, evocation, illusion, necromancy, and transmutation. So the first one is abjuration, and that emphasizes the magic that blocks, banishes, or protects so if you want to kind of use magic in a defensive way, and this is one of the schools of magic that the uh, magic-using subclass for the fighter can use as well. 
Um, and then the next one, next uh, subclass is Conjuration. And Conjuration favors spells that can produce objects, creatures from thin air. You know, just snapping your fingers and um, making something appear in your hand. And as well as transportation, uh, excuse me, as well as teleportation, which is like transportation, I guess, <laughs> of a sort. Uh, the next subclass is Divination. Your magic focuses on viewing other locations, the past and the future. So you can use certain spells to kind of spy on somebody that you may be trying to, you know, look into, somebody may be trying to catch up on, that sort of thing, during your adventures. Next is Enchantment. You can use your magic to entrance and beguile others. So literally enchanting them. Um, this is you know, the use of spells kind of like charm, where you're charming people. Next is evocation. Powerful elemental magic of bitter cold, searing flames, burning acid, and others. And this is another the other school of magic that that magical fighter subclass can use. So it's kind of limited just to abjuration and evocation. Um, which are some of the, the two of the wizards' uh, schools of magic. Um, next subclass for the wizard is going to be Illusion. You dazzle the senses and befuddle the mind of your enemies, or your allies, if you want. Next is Necromancy. Um, it's kind of considered to be taboo. Uh, your magic explores the cosmic forces of life, death, and undeath. And finally, the school of transmutation, magic that modifies energy and matter. You can transform creatures and objects in a variety of ways. So this is something you can use to take different animal forms, creatures forms, that sort of thing, disguise yourself, and kind of you can go hand in hand with things that a druid can do. You know, taking different shapes of different animals. Kind of cool school magic. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Um, those are... Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and these, The 12 basics. Yeah, 12 basics. And, you know, like we said, there are tons of variant subclasses. Yeah. And those are things that we're definitely going to sprinkle in, um, you know, off the books, I think. And uh, we uh, that way we can kind of tease those and uh, give you plenty of other options if you've got, say, a ranger, somebody who wants to play a ranger, and you or you want to play the ranger yourself, and you want to kind of you don't really like how the class is laid out, and you want to feel a little bit better. There's a great revised ranger that is feels a lot more powerful. Yeah, or just you know you just want to try and mix it up and play something new and just give something new a shot yeah. uh yeah we'll definitely be touching on those but um yeah i think that's gonna do it for this episode for today so patrick do you have anything left no i think that's it all right cool but yeah so that's gonna be it for today's episode on the second part of the classes covering uh the last six of the 12 basic classes and uh, we hope that you've enjoyed and found it informative and if you have please consider subscribing and reviewing us on iTunes and Spotify would mean a lot. 
And as always, please let us know if you have any questions or something you'd like to hear in a future episode by emailing us at thevitamindndpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the vitamin D, the letter N, D, podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on our Facebook page at Vitamin D&D Podcast, or even check out our website at thevitamindndpodcast.com. But other than that, keep an eye out for our next episode, uh, where we'll be talking about character creation. And that'll really get you started and kind of be able to be able to put everything together that we've learned in the past couple of episodes, uh, roll it into one and actually really start get to rolling. And this is where we'll really start getting into the meat and potatoes and uh, start having some fun with it. But other than that, take it easy and uh, we'll see you after your long rest.